Today's episode of the Theater People podcast is brought to you by Today Ticks, the app for last-minute theater tickets. Download the app for free in Google Play or in the App Store, and use the code THEATERPEOPLE at checkout to save 20 bucks on your first purchase. Again, the discount code is THEATERPEOPLE, which of course is theater with an E-R-P-P-L. You guys, just a reminder that a free and easy way to support theater people is to click on the ads on the website. I've been saying this at the top of the show for the last few weeks, and you guys have been doing it, so thank you so much. Not only do we get a little bit of money when you click on the ads, but it lets our sponsors know that you guys, our listeners, are engaged in our content. And I can't tell you what a big deal that is. Speaking of the website, you guys, we are adding tons of content, so you really should check it out. I'm writing weekly blog posts in which some of theater's biggest stars share some of the best advice they ever got. And we're adding video content in which our guests share some hilarious onstage mishaps. There's a video of Laura Benanti and her mom telling funny stories. And today's guests, Krista Rodriguez, Andy Mientes, and Alex Boniello shot videos with us as well, which are really too funny to even try to describe. See for yourself at www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L.com. And while you're there, if you see an ad that looks even slightly interesting to you, click on it. It's a great way to keep Theater People a weekly and free podcast. Okay, now to the show. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. You guys, there is a lot going on in this episode today. First of all, this was our first time recording an episode with three guests, which makes this a four-person episode, including me. Crazy! And you guys, those three guests are some of the hottest young actors working on Broadway today. They are Krista Rodriguez, Andy Mientes, and Alex Boniello. They are here to talk about the stunning and Tony-nominated Deaf West production of Spring Awakening that was on Broadway earlier this year that they all starred in. We recorded this episode the day after the Tony nominations were announced, so there is a palpable excitement in the room, which made this interview even more exciting. I don't want to spend too much time on the intro here, so let's just jump right in. Oh, we'll be making a transcript of this episode available in the next week or two for anyone who would like to enjoy the content but might not be able to hear it. Okay, here we go. Hi, so Alex Boniello, Andy Mientes, Chris Rodriguez. Hi. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm such big fans of all of you. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks for doing this. Oh my God, my pleasure. You guys, congratulations on the Spring Awakening Tony nomination. I haven't got, I was out of town. I haven't gotten to see everybody since. They all got to celebrate together. Yeah. Were you here? Were you here? Like, were you guys here? They had a full smash reality moment where they like had a breakfast morning and (gasps) watched the awards together. Together. The nominations together. The nominations well, I didn't together. watch. I didn't watch the actual nomination, but I promptly went over and yeah. joined <laughs> the breakfast in progress. That is amazing. Well, congratulations! Thank, Thank you very much. How is it to have your show be remembered like that? Krista, take it. It's incredible. It's so incredible. I mean, we've, I, you know, we've been doing this a long time and we kind of temper expectations all the time, no matter what show you're doing. And, and, um, so, you know, when we closed in January, it was sort of like, okay, well, this was wonderful. And if we got remembered, that would be great. But, you know, that's a really tough thing to do in a season that's, uh, it's just such a great season. So yeah. for it to be, um, recognized was awesome. And for, 
you know, and and uh, at, in every award, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in every um, the drama desk and yep. the drama league, yeah. Mm-hmm. So across the board, we were really. Um, it was really lucky to be recognized. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say, so I, I emailed Alex last night because I was like, I want to make sure that I'm using the proper word. I'm like, I can, we're allowed to say deaf. We say yes, deaf. Yes, right? deaf is deaf. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening that started in California. It came to, uh, to New York to go to Broadway, of course. Um, wh- when did you all become involved? I know you guys were like latecomers. Is that right? We, Actually, well, I'll, I'll f- we were all latecomers in, as actors, but Andy yeah. is, the, is the mother. Of- I had the weirdest path with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you were initially going to maybe co-direct. I was, in fact, going to co-direct. Um, we so it started, um, gosh, years ago now. Um, that Deaf West was looking for something, and Michael had a, um, a you know long-standing relationship with them because of Big River, which was his Broadway debut, and Pippin, which he did at the Mark Taper Forum. And he was just getting into um, his you know first steps directing. Was getting Michael Arden. In that Michael, Michael Arden, your husband, my fiance, fiance. I wasn't sure if you guys were married. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not not just yet, but it's coming. Um, and uh, so he was looking for something to do. They were looking for a new project, and they really wanted you know Deaf West had had Big River go to Broadway, had Pippin and the Mark Taper Forum, but they hadn't done a big musical like that in a big way in a while. And so they were looking for something like an idea like that. Um, and so. They were looking for something. Michael was looking for something. And I said, well, you know, when I was doing Spring Awakening, I'd always thought it would be the ideal show for Deaf West. Um, And I feel like the seed of that idea came from when I was doing it at the Amundsen, they were doing uh, Pippin and the Mark Taper. And Uh our cast went and sat in on rehearsal. And I feel like that's got to be where it came from. Um, And so we, you know, just brainstormed on that idea for like a day and a half um, and just sort of figured out all the different ways that it could work and why it would be special. And so we pitched it to DJ Kerr as the artistic director of, of Deaf West at Intelligentsia Coffee on Sunset Boulevard. Um, where all good things happen. Where all good things happen. <laughs> and um, he uh, committed to uh, like a 10-day workshop where we were going to work on like three different scenes from it just to see if the idea could stick. And so we co-directed that. It was a big success, um, and so it was greenlit for production in the fall, but then in the interim, I got cast in Les Mis on Broadway. Oh, right, So I was right, suddenly right. unavailable, um, but the production, you know, they had the slot, and so I said, go for it, like, take it over completely, and so I stepped away from it at that point, and then I only came to act in it again out of a total accident um, because they, they did the first production at a 99th Seat Theater on Skid Row, and an actor uh, named Joey Harrow played Hanshin and was terrific, and then he got a film um, in between that production and its transfer to the Wallace Annenberg in Beverly Hills. And because that was a remount of the last production, uh, they only had two weeks of rehearsal. So Michael called me in this deep panic saying like, oh my God, how are we going to find somebody that can learn the part, let alone the part and the ASL? This was after you were already doing uh, Les Mis. I had just finished Les Mis. I'd shot a pilot and I was just wrapping that up. And about to move back to Los Angeles just to wait to see if the pilot was going to go. And he was like, what are we going to do? Um, and I was like, well, like if you can't find anybody else and if it doesn't <laughs> look absolutely ridiculous that I'm still playing a teenager, then like, I'll do it. Because it was only going to be a three-week run. Mm-hmm. You know, just as really like a victory lap for that production from the 99-seat theater. So it was like very low stakes. Yeah. Um, and it timed out perfectly. Like even if the, if the pilot had gone to series... 
the show would have closed by the time we would have gone back into production. So it was perfect. It was a perfect little summer gig and it just ended up turning into a lot more. God, that is yeah. incredible. And in that weird, that nebulous time where it was like, if you can't find anybody else, we need just whoever we can find. That's where Alex and I joined on as well. Be- yeah, because yeah. we, it was the same. The people that were playing our parts had gotten other jobs and, you know, everybody was like obviously going to take an opportunity that was the next step instead of a lateral move with right this because show. there was no i mean absolutely no indication no plan for this to come to broadway yeah at all and at i all. was and my this the off i mean the beverly hills run was literally the six weeks in between a chemo tr- my last chemo treatment and my surgery and he was like what's your what's your treatment schedule like no. and i was like uh, i don't know what's the dates and he gave them to me and he's like do you want to play ilsa and i was like uh yeah wow and so it was like and then he was gonna do it and then alex wise joined in who's also a friend of ours and then alex boniello got the the twitter message yeah so how did it come to you mr well i actually i want to i've never i've told it like a whole bunch of times in various interviews during the run of the show but i i don't i've never done it with andy here so i kind of want me to to hold your hand no (laughs) (laughs) please don't touch me (laughs) i want to hear his his perspective of it so I, i was sitting in my apartment i had um just finished doing Brooklyn Night, which was an off-Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just finished doing it, and I was literally getting dressed to go cater uh, the King and I reception <laughs> for their like opening night at Lincoln Center. And uh, I was like just sitting there, like getting into my little like vest that I had to wear. <laughs> and I, I got I he followed me on Twitter, and like when someone who has like many followers follows you, you like get notified. I was like, oh, I guess that's not that weird. Like we know a lot of the same people. Like whatever. And then, like, five seconds later, he sent me a direct message, and he just said, like, hey, uh, number one, Matt Doyle says we should be friends. Number two, what uh, what are you doing in the next, like, couple weeks? And I was like, uh, n- nothing? Like, what do you, <laughs> what, what's up? And he was just, like, sending these really – they were, like, quick and, like, very – they were like, Def West is doing Spring Awakening. Need voice of Moritz. Also plays guitar. Are you available? It's going to be in L.A. Could you get to L.A. and stay? And I was like – Holy shit. I mean, I can curse, yeah? Yeah, we, okay. yeah, please. Holy shit. Please, don't ever um, stop. Okay, shit, shit, fuck. Um, <laughs> so I was I was sitting there, and I was like, I mean, like, yeah, I would love to do that, because, um, so our music supervisor on uh, American Idiot, when I was doing the tour of that, told me about it, and was like, hey, this is happening in LA, and I was like, oh, man, that whole Voice of Moritz thing, who plays guitar, sounds real, real cool, and, like, perfect for me, but I, I can't, I can't do it. Like, I don't have... I can't like move to LA for what whatever it was. It was like it was like a hundred bucks a week. I was like I can't, yeah. I, I literally can't do it. So I was like that's a bummer or whatever. But then it kind of came back around through this and and I skyped with uh, Michael I think the next day and just played guitar for him and sang for him and then he was like great thank you so much okay uh, we'll be in touch soon and then the Skype call ends and then like. 14 seconds later he texted me he's like hey so we want you to we want you to, want you to do it like what's, what's going on and i was like uh you tell me what's going on so it was very i mean it was like three days later i was on a plane to la to la yeah and i was like i mean so you were able to make it work it, they made it work. They made, yeah. it, they made it work yeah. for me. They I mean, put them up in a house. I mean, it was, it was day. It was a really days. nice house. Yeah, really ridiculous. <laughs> when was, I saw yeah. that house, I got really jealous. I yeah. know. It was, it was ridiculous. Well, it was. <laughs> it was one of our wonderful producers' uh, new, like brand new places. So it like really funnily worked out. But like brand new to the point where there was like what a couch. There was like yeah. a couch, a couch, um, and a view for days. A view <laughs> for days. I mean, like truly one of the most beautiful. Views we hung I've out ever there in my life. But like, but like, he's like, there's like no furniture. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. And like Andy and Michael dropped me off. They're like, so like, we're going to give you like 
some pots and pans and stuff. And I was like, okay, like, let's do it. And then I just, like, was sitting there in that apartment. I was like, how did this happen? I'm pretty yeah. sure I was, like, going to a catering shift, like, a day and a half ago. And so essentially, here. like, a six-week gig with our best friends turned into so a Broadway show. amazing. Hey, theater people. I'm going to spend the next 60 seconds or so telling you about our beautiful, wonderful sponsor, Today Ticks. I even wrote a little script. Have you ever found yourself with a night off and nothing to do? You think, I'm going to see a show tonight. Why not? But then your next thought is, ugh, what's even playing? Everything is so expensive. And then you just sort of let it go, right? Well, you guys, Today Ticks is the answer to that problem. You just open the app and everything is right there for you. The shows with reviews and prices. I'm actually looking at the app right now as I record this, and there are shows on Broadway that I loved that are selling for as low as $27. And you guys, Today Ticks is offering a discount code just for Theater People listeners. Use the code Theater People, that's of course Theater with an E R P P L, and save 20 bucks on your first purchase. That's basically like seeing a Broadway show for free. And yeah, if you forget the discount code, just email me or tweet me or text me when you're purchasing like Prescott did this week, and I will happily remind you. I'm serious about that. So download the app in Google Play or the App Store and then use the code theater with an E-R-P-P-L. It makes us look good to our sponsor and you guys save some cash. It's a win-win. Okay, let's get back to Krista, Andy, and Alex. Ms. Rodriguez, may I ask you a question? Sure. Um, I, I'm curious. I'm not about- here to answer questions. I don't know what you think I'm doing. <laughs> I'm here, here to wear the headphones and <laughs> yeah, look cute. Yeah. That's all. Um, Check. What did so you came back to so like you famously were in the original Broadway? Famously, Broadway. famously, <laughs> famously uh-huh. from where I'm written, written, written on stone. I was famously a swing in the original. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of because you're a big star now, so it is like it's one of those like stories that people love. I am the like- least big star of who uh, came out of that first production of Spring Awakening. <laughs> but yes, so uh-huh. yeah. So how and you you understudied this this and other roles yes. in the original production? All the females except yeah. for the adult because I was a kid then. Right. <laughs> how was it to come back to this and get to like own the role? I mean, I guess I have to say, and Mo Brady would kill me if I didn't say, we loved your performance in this show oh, so much. You. I mean, we, I sat like literally in the front row and was like sobbing. I was like, I look like it's such a fool. But <laughs> how was it to like really take this role and make it your own in this production? It was really, it was really unbelievable. I mean, Ilsa has always been my favorite role that I've ever played when I understudied it and um, you know I was used to say like it, fe- it felt like because you know when you're an understudy sometimes all of a sudden you're singing somebody else's song and it just feels like knives are jamming in the eyes you're just like yeah. this is not where I live and it's so uncomfortable and every time I would play Ilsa I said it felt like putting on your favorite sweater <laughs> like you would just put, I'm like oh it just feels good I just <laughs> like her and I think she's so great and I had compassion for her and I understood at least I thought I understood at that point um, kind of who she was and so even, you know, as I'd played Wednesday and done first date and all these things, people would say, what was your favorite role? And I would say Ilsa. So when the opportunity came to play it, I was so excited. But I think I didn't, I, I know, I didn't really make the connection in my head. I just thought, We're, I'm playing Ilsa as in the... 2007 version of Spring Awakening and but just with sign language (laughs) and then as we sort of got to rehearsal realizing that like you know oh I have to walk I mean the first (laughs) Ilsa didn't move she walked to the microphone she walked away that's true I was like oh I have to look at somebody in the eye I have to 
communicate with them and not on, and not in my first language and ignore I'll, me yeah ignore you <laughs> never look at you yeah I'll, there was kind of like some games that you know because I wasn't supposed to hear him so I couldn't do anything unless if my back was turned to him so I was trying to figure out how we maneuvered anyway you know those are the technical things about it on the flip side you know I was going through this major life event at the same time which um, I didn't realize would so beautifully parallel Ilsa's experience and I think do you mind just telling people who maybe don't know yeah sure um so I was diagnosed with, with diagnosed with breast cancer um about eight months before we'd done the Beverly Hills run um and so I had been going through chemo and um I was having a double mastectomy and all of that and that's why this show kind of fit right in and we actually got the call to go to Broadway as I was recovering from the surgery I was like <laughs> hopped up on drugs I had to be like is this real did this actually happen or did I like fever dream this thing that we're going to Broadway um but, and I did radiation all through our rehearsal during Broadway and everything so I've just it's just this production has been so linked and tied into my cancer experience and so the experience of playing Ilsa now where she you know she had to grow up a lot faster than all of the kids in the town and she experienced great loss and she experienced sort of what it felt like to be attacked as a woman in some way, you know, hers with some like sexual deviancy and mine with sort of this disease that attacks a lot of your femininity. And I, I just sort of, and in, in the off, uh, I keep calling it the off Broadway run in the Beverly Hills run. Um, Michael uh, had this great idea to have me take off my wig. I wore a wig for the first act because I was very bald while we yeah. were doing this. So, um, so you know, kind of just showing the experience of a girl who went from something kind of innocent and have ha- happy-go-lucky and, and what can happen when everything sort of falls apart. So it was really beautiful to be able to take all of that and and push all of those experiences through this character and... Um, and then getting to work with Michael, Michael just like had such a vision for it. And I, I've said this before. I really believe that Michael is just as badly in love with Ilsa as I am. And <laughs> yeah. so we just both took our like intense passion for how to treat this character and like threw it together. So, um, so yeah, it was just a, it was an incredible, incredible yeah. experience. It feels to me a little bit like an elephant in the room to not acknowledge that this is a production that starred deaf people and we don't have any of them here with us for this mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I wanted to talk a little bit about your experiences. And Alex, yours was a little bit different, I would imagine, yeah. from Andy's and Krista's because you were, uh, of the three people here, you were the only one that was doubled. Mm-hmm. So you and Daniel Durant both played Mor- Moritz. Yeah. Um, and so just to explain to people who didn't see the production, you were the singing and speaking voice for for him. Right. For that, for that character. Can you talk a little bit about the experience of, of working with him on – the two of you creating this one character? Yeah, so, um, you know, it was, it was as, as they said, um, you know, this was a remounting when we, all three of us joined. So, you know, for the most part, things were staged. All the, like, really intricately difficult ASL translations, for the most part, had been done. You know, the bulk of the work had been done. Um, so, you know, when I came in, my job was to make sure I knew all the lines, make sure I knew all the songs. And then I was also playing the guitar in all of the songs of the show. So I had to learn the guitar score. So while they were learning ASL, I was in the corner, like making sure I knew the guitar stuff. And (laughs) and that didn't even include the work that I had to do with Daniel. So the first day of rehearsal, there was like this ASL, like workshop type thing. And I was taking an Uber there with Andy. And he was like, just so you know, this is going to be like really interesting for you because I'd never met a deaf person ever until this. So, um, 
we i was like what do you mean he's like you're, you're gonna see just just walk in it's gonna be fine so i walked in the room and it, it was it, it i'll never forget it as long as i live walking into a room that that theoretically would be so loud and and like bustling with with communication that i understand it was a room full of these kids who were so excited to see each other again and it was dead silent and they were all fully conversing with each other with like hand movements that i didn't understand a single one of i mean a lot of people for whatever reason like had were lucky and got to learn the alphabet in like elementary school like the asl alphabet i i didn't know anything you weren't a girl scout i was not a girl (laughs) scout i was not a girl scout so so you know so i i walked in there i was like oh my god this is wild but you know daniel knew that 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 was the case for me and Daniel knew that I liked video games and he knew that I was playing his voice and that was kind of the first thing that we, you know, like, did. He, he gave me a big hug, we sat down, he pulled out his cell phone and he started typing things and showing things wow. to me. Wow. And, um, you know, a fascinating thing about Daniel too is there are so many different levels of deafness. There's hard of hearing, which means maybe you can hear little. There's profoundly deaf, which means you're completely deaf. And, um, you know, some people had their hearing for the first like two or three years of their life. So maybe they can approximate sound or they're, they're better at like lip reading in some levels. Daniel had never heard ever, ever, ever. So sound does not exist in his world period. So, um, you know, he thinks in concepts and he thinks in, in pictures in a way that we think in words and language. So when he was typing to me, um, English is his second language. So that's, that's, you know, that's pretty clear. So, um, that was fascinating for me to learn right away. I was like, Oh wow. Like, you know, it's, it's similar to if, you know, someone's first language is Spanish and they're typing English to you. You'll note, you'll notice things like that. Wow. Um, I, I know it's, 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 it truly is fascinating. So, so we sat down and he opened up his script and he would point to a line, and he would show me what the line looked like in ASL. And I was like, okay, can you do that again? I very quickly learned what the sign for again was. Yeah. Just putting your hand into your You're palm. Like, I learned again and slow yeah. and, like, and, and wait. And, and, and help. Yeah, yeah. Help. help. Uh, Those were our first signs. And, and toilet. Those were the, 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 the important things. But, yeah, so that, that's kind of what it was. It was very, very slow, and we had two weeks to do it. So, yeah. So it was um, just a lot of watching and uh, – yeah, I mean, it was wa- watching him do the signs, trying to approximate what I thought his version of the character was feeling while also putting, you know, it's impossible for you not to put your own thing to it, but your job is to make sure his is the forefront. So it was, I definitely was better at that in New York than I was in LA just because, you know, more time and settling into it and understanding it. And like comedic timing was wild and took a long time to figure out. I mean, I think we figured out this one joke um, like two weeks before the run ended where like he would hand me a cigarette and I would smoke the cigarette for him because he doesn't have hands because <laughs> uh-huh. he needs to, to sign. <laughs> so there's this bit that we had where I would do it and I would blow a puff of smoke in Austin McKenzie who played Melchior's face and that always got like a pretty good laugh. And then like two weeks before the run ended, Michael uh, comes up to me. He's like, what if you just like cough everywhere when you inhale the smoke and i was like uh, uh, okay like let's see what happens maybe we can finally make this joke on and then two weeks before the show ends we realized <laughs> that that's that's exactly what has to happen to make it hilarious so it was just a, a lot of that and i know this is kind of a rambly answer but it, it was no a, i love it was it. a rambly experience <laughs> <laughs> uh andy I'll, I'll direct this to you then yeah it, it sounds sort of like the deaf actors were it sounds like the hearing actors maybe were working around the deaf act like it was like their playing field that you guys were coming on to is that how it felt absolutely um because you know deaf west's mission is not to create theater for the deaf it's to create theater for deaf and hearing audiences together um which is different from other um deaf companies that said it's a 
deaf artistic director and it's you know a rare opportunity for them to be the focus so um you know when the roles were doubled if you didn't see the production um if it's not clear like the it's not that they were both playing moritz it's that daniel was playing moritz and alex was playing the voice of moritz which was it a new character for this production which was his id his courage his inner demon his inner rock star you know it was this shadow of himself but not necessarily the role um and it was different for each character too. it was different for each character what the manifestation of yes what the voice meant what the voice was meant to represent was different for each character um and so it was staged very deliberately to make sure that you know the signing was the focus that the deaf actor was the focus um because that's something that audiences don't get an opportunity to see a whole lot and it's something those actors don't get to do sadly a whole lot so um you know of course they should be the focus of it. Um, you know, it's what made it special and different from that original. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had Spencer Liff on the, on the podcast a few weeks ago and he was talking about, he told this really sweet story about you and I'm going to forget her name again because I'm just an asshole, but um, the woman who was in the wheelchair, Allie. Allie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you really pick to take her out of her chair and yes. take her all over the theater when you guys first went into the Brooks yeah. Atkinson? Yeah. We take, we took we take her, her everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. We're always picking her up. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and unfortunately it's, you have to, there's so little accessibility um, in so many places, you know. Um, we would sort of have a joke about the rating of accessibility in each place we'd go. We'd like, accessibility zero. Yeah. This is not. And so, yeah. And she's, you know, she's so good at, at um, maneuvering that. But, yeah, when you we, – we would have, like – birthdays in the basement someone would have to take Allie and carry her downstairs and set her there you know to sit and watch and hang out because she can't get down there so um you know and and also the Brooks Atkinson they renovated a dressing room on the, the ground level for her to be able to get into and made a bathroom for her to kind of move move around so um it, it's great now that theater is fully accessible if well not fully accessible but more accessible than a lot of the other ones that have been around for 100 yeah. plus years that didn't have the ADA regulations that they have now amazing Th- this is a question that we addressed a little bit with Krista but I wanted to talk about stamina like how, how so I feel like this I, just as an observer as an audience member it seemed like this was a show that required a lot of you like physically mentally and emotionally and just what you did like again in, in, in speaking to Spencer he was talking about how like he would do these like big workouts for like the warm up every day and I was thinking yeah like this show must have been physically taxing but you had to like use your brain in a way that you never did before I'm assuming with the sign language and then you know what was your process Crystal we'll start with you like how did you keep yourself uh, in a place where you could do that eight times a week well uh, truly at that point I was just like I was held together with sweat and scotch tape like I was my brain was gone I had chemo brain like crazy I was recovering from surgery when we came to do the production so we would do Spencer's warm-ups and you know I would kind of not do some things and I'd be like you know what I just had surgery I don't need to and I'd look over and Allie's doing tricep push-ups on her wheelchair and I'm like okay I guess we're doing this now I guess I don't have an excuse there's deaf people dancing and Allie's doing push-ups so I just have to do it Um, but yeah as far as folk Man, I've never, I mean, you know, you do other shows and you have to pay attention. I mean, you can't just be thinking or whatever, but the whole show relied on us giving the cues at the right times and relied on us sort of, um, you know, as soon as uh, your hand would move, they would start signing and it had to be on the, on the word. If you spaced out for a second, I mean, 
you can imagine what would happen if a, a person who can't hear the music, if something went wrong and they just keep going because right. they don't know that something's different or they don't know that the the music didn't start or that the track didn't come on or anything. So everyone is uh, like we were just on edge all the time, like totally focused on each other or else the show could have, I mean, it could have fallen apart so many times. Seconds. I mean, so it, many it, times. It, and, and there, there was actually a couple times like we had, we had this thing we called the, the ship um, during touch me where we all had to walk together uh, and we would sort of tap yeah. on the shoulders after a while. They kind of, you know, they know the rhythm, but sometimes the tempos of songs are different as you know, that's what live theater is. So we're, we're tapping and sometimes it would just, we call it the shipwreck cause it would just like <laughs> blue, 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 blue. Like it couldn't, it couldn't get together. And, and Spencer actually was like, you know, sometimes those are the most magical because it reminds the audience that these people cannot hear yeah. that we're doing all of this without and not just maybe hear. They cannot hear, you know, and they're dancing on rhythm, on beat and um, with emotion and, and, and with um, dynamics, you know, loud and soft and all of that stuff. So um, it was those times it was actually kind of special when you're like, oh, yeah, they, this is actually a feat every night. A <laughs> right. feat. You know? My mind is totally blown by that. I, I totally did not think about that. Did, did you, any of you can answer this. Did, did any of the deaf actors talk to you about the experience of being able to like feel like, did they have cues that they could react to? So yeah, yes. Um, a lot of people thought there was more in terms of sound. Um, a lot of people were like, so they could like feel the stage rumbling. Right. And you know, yes, of course, but that's not a, that's not gonna. That, that's not a powerful enough cue, kind of, to work for the show. Um, you know, Daniel and I obviously spoke a lot about cueing because that was a, another part of my specific job was to give him uh, countless cues throughout the show. Bas- basically, only when songs are happening. Um, so you know, thing, things like understanding when a cue needed to be, ha- like when I would need to give a cue in the English of my singing that would service him the best, that would make him start signing at the right time to match up with the English. And, like, Don't Do Sadness was a big, um, a really, really big thing for that because he had to jump off of a staircase. And I would give him this cue, and he would always be late. And I'm like, why? why what's going on here? And we, we would meet with the, you know, with Spencer and with the ASL team, why this is happening. And one of, the, one of our ASL uh, masters, uh, Elizabeth Green, is the only hearing uh, ASL master. And she goes, well, it's because you're thinking about it like a hearing person. So, you know, why, why do you think? And I was like, because I'm tapping my chest when I want him to jump, but he's, he, his brain needs to see it and then jump. Right. And so for someone who's hearing the music, cause like I would want to be like, you just sail away. Cause you know, tap. That's when I want him to jump. Right. But I would have to go, you just sail away. Cause tap, you know, like in the middle of my, and it's, it was like a, tapping your head, rubbing your stomach at the same time. Right. And realizing that that's how it has to go. And then like Daniel and I would laugh. He's like, he's like, it's working now. And I'm like, yeah, it's working now. He's like, why? And then I would try to explain it to him. I'm like, I don't even have the vocabulary in your language (laughs) to explain to you why this works, but just like, trust me forever and ever. And we're great. And he's like, okay. And you know, God, that is such an amazing story. It was Uh, really hard. (laughs) Mr. Mientes, do you have any insight as to whether or not you guys perform on the Tonys? Um, I don't. <laughs> um, I know that they're they're um, they're very hopeful and they're working hard. But you know, it's um, we've been closed. There's not a show to sell tickets to, and there's not um, really a reason other than it would be an amazing thing to showcase that community on the Tony Awards 
to do it because it's very expensive. Like, I don't know yeah. if people at home know this, yeah, but don't tell them. Um, <laughs> they don't know this that um, the show, it's not that, you know, CBS pays everybody to be on the Tonys and invites the numbers that deserve to be there or whatever. If you're a show, you have to pay like a very substantial amount of money. It's like, I mean, like are we allowed to talk numbers or Six no? figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a lot. I mean, and you have like to build your own set. Of money. You have to pay the actors and to be there for rehearsal. Yeah. It's and so it's one thing if you're, if, you know, your show is running and so the, the producers accept, okay, it's this big investment, but it's a huge commercial for the show and it will sell, you know, hopefully a lot of tickets and mm-hmm. make us run a long time. And it's also one thing if your cast is doing the show nightly, you know, if we were going to perform Touch Me, say, right. we're doing Touch Me every night, so we just have to adjust it slightly for the cameras and oh, for the right. space, but we're all in the same place. Right now, we our cast is scattered to the winds. Yeah. Like, we are all over the country. We're in two different coasts, at least. We haven't done the show in several months now. Um, and, you know, the the what it would take to adjust a number... Uh, I mean, we would have to relearn the number. We would have to relearn I mean? the like, number, and keep in mind, half of the cast is deaf, so like right. it's not easy to bark out over the god mic, like "Hey, move!" You know, ten feet downstage because for this huge new stage that we're on, you know, it doesn't work. When like you have that. ten minutes to, if we make it. a cut in the music, if we do a medley or something, that is an incredible amount of work for our company and our right. process to get. It's different than the average show. So that said, it's a huge challenge that you know. Might be insurmountable, yeah. But but the powers that be are really trying. We would love to be there, but you know, if we can't be, we are so happy to be remembered with the nominations that we did get. I hope that's clear to everyone at home. I know, like, maybe some people were thinking we were going to like get tons and tons of nominations and be there on Tony Night, and we'd all be, you know, it's a great image, and I would love that it happened. But we are honestly so thrilled that we were even because it was not a given; it was not guaranteed that we were yeah. getting this nomination at all. Yeah, well, and not to get crazy about it, but there was like there was like a rule that went into place when Shuffle Along became a new musical that meant that there was a high likelihood that only three yeah, right. revivals were going to be nominated. It happened the year that I did Les Mis. Cabaret got left out because of that rule. Right? Yeah. So Alex Bonello, Andy Mientes, Chris Rodriguez. I hate to end this abruptly. I know you guys have to go though. Thanks, guys. You're the best. Good luck at the Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, theater people, just a reminder that our live summer series show featuring the fabulous Lindsay Mendez is less than a month away. It's taking place on June 19th at Pearl Studios. The pre-show party starts at 5 o'clock and the show starts at 6. There are 12 tickets left. At the pre-show party, we'll be raffling off tickets to Bright Star, you know, that musical that I'm slightly obsessed with, as well as a handful of other shows that I can't announce just yet. Once the show starts, Lindsay and I will chat for a little bit, and then she'll sing a few songs, and then she'll stick around and take pictures and sign autographs, all of it for just 10 bucks. You can get your tickets to her show, as well as our shows with Eden Espinosa and Laura Osnes, at our website, www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L dot com, and click on the Summer Series tab. So join us! Theater People is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, Today Ticks. Use the discount code THEATERPEOPLE, that's theater with an E-R-P-P-L, at checkout to save 20 bucks on your first order. Special thanks also to Steve Tipton, Bradley Bean, our fabulous webmaster, Keith Allen Herzog, Eric Ensch, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back next week with American Psycho's Jennifer Damiano. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. God is dead. It's the best of living. You want to speak?
trying to get 